It's been a week since BravoCon started, but I still have not recovered. While it's overwhelming and go, 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 and action-packed and exhausting, it's also honestly one of my favorite weekends of the entire year. It activates the fan in me, but it's also a work event for me. It's rewarding and affirming and fun to see everybody, not just who I watch on TV, but also obviously who I interview, the people who set up those interviews, and the people who interview them for other outlets, also the faces behind so many incredible Bravo fan accounts. Everywhere you turn, you're reuniting with someone, putting the face to a name of someone you've only conversed with online, or meeting somebody in person for the first time that you've been dying to talk to. So for this week's Friday episode, I wanted to do a BravoCon recap of sorts with someone else who was there. So later in this episode, I'll be chatting with Rachel Lindsay, who I hung out with a bit at BravoCon and who hosted three panels throughout the weekend. She hosts The Ringer's great Bravo podcast called Morally Corrupt, alongside some other really great women who I was with a lot of the weekend in the press room, Chelsea Stark-Jones and Jody Walker. We had a great combo about the weekend, but I also wanted to give you an overview and touch on a few things we didn't get to discuss before I play you that chat. This was the third BravoCon, my third time going, but the first one in Vegas, the first two in New York, and it was certainly the smoothest run yet. The incredible team behind the event found ways to streamline it, add breathing room to the schedule, and shorten or honestly all out eliminate a lot of the lines. And the space this year at Caesars Forum was really perfect for it. There are only two panel rooms this year as opposed to three, which honestly, it minimized a lot of the rush to catch as many events as possible. So like last year at Javits, there was kind of like this frenzy at all times to like hit as many things as possible and get in line, yada, yada, yada. But for the most part, both rooms were more than big enough to accommodate everybody who wanted to attend any given panel. So as opposed to last year, where you had to line up for a chance to even get into certain panels, and people were literally sitting on the ground in front of the stage because there were no more VIP seats left. None of that happened this year. The only time I heard that people had to wait in line for a panel was for the new Roni panel, which was one of the few Real Housewives panels held in the smaller of the two rooms. Dubai was also in that room, but it overlapped with a lot of the Southern Charm panel in the big room, and it was pretty empty in there. Like, I went for the last 20 minutes or so, and it was very sparsely attended. Where you were more likely to wait in line and where it was worth it to wait in line was the Bravo Bazaar, which is honestly the biggest pro tip I shared with anybody who asks. So if you want to go next year, definitely file this away. Hanging out in the Bravo Bazaar is your single best chance to get up close and personal with multiple Bravo celebrities every day if you're not a VIP. So while there are a lot of official photo ops you have to sign up for, many of the Bravo celebrities also have booths for their products and brands in the Bravo Bazaar that they'll stop by at least once a day to meet fans, sell product, take selfies, yada, 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 and you can wait in line to meet them. Though they will cut off the lines at some point, but like if you get in line, it moves pretty quickly and like you are probably going to meet that person. And, and yeah, some of the lines were long. So like the Trace Amigas and Craig and Erica and Sheena, like their lines were very long and they got probably cut off pretty quickly, but none of them were too bad, honestly. And especially when you compare that to the fact that like 500 people were waiting in line to take a photo with Kathy Houghton last year. I don't know how many of them ended up actually getting a photo with her, but it was pretty untenable last year. So I'm glad they changed that. Yeah. So like this year you had to actually sign up for the official photo ops ahead of time, which I heard some people complaining about, but ultimately at the event, I didn't really hear any complaints about that process. Those were also held in a slightly different space that I never went to because I didn't sign up for any of them. But I honestly, again, I didn't hear anything negative about that experience. If you were in VIP, the best place to post up was in the VIP lounge, though, which a lot of the Bravo stars were just like constantly going in and out of to mingle and take photos with fans in. Most of my friends who run fan accounts and had VIP bracelets were in there for a lot of the time with two panels and had a lot of success hanging out and taking pictures with their favorite people. If you were in VIP, you also got a bonus Bravo Palooza experience, which 
it's basically just like a more curated VIP lounge, which you get you get given a specific time to go and they drop in a random assortment of raw celebrities for you to mingle with, have cocktails with, and take photos in front of a step and repeat with. Personally, I was going back and forth between the panel rooms and the press room, which had a very, very, very long red carpet in it that pretty much everybody on Bravo walked down at some point during the first two days. And like the schedule for the press room, you guys, holds some of the most telling information about who's getting along with who. So for example, on Friday, it was Carl Solo, along with Kyle and Amanda as a pair who walked the press line, while everybody else from Summer House walked the next day around the same time. For Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, Monica and Meredith both walked separately and solo at different times on Friday, while the other four Salt Lake City ladies did press together the next day. They also frequently pair like a high interest figure with a new addition. So like Kyle Richards walked with Anne Marie, the new Beverly Hills housewife, and Phaedra Parks, who joined Married to Medicine this season, walked with the new doctor, Dr. Alicia. I also saw the team member of one Bravo celebrity unsuccessfully request for their client to be unpaired with a newbie mid-carpet. Yeah, that did not work. You honestly see a lot when you're in the press room because while the talent is on the carpet doing interviews and taking photos, their teams are just like scattered about. Like, so by the time a lot of the housewives got to the end of the sometimes hour-long press room, many of them would rightfully be complaining about the fact that their feet hurt in the heels they were wearing. So a lot of their teams would be waiting with literal hotel slippers at the end of the carpet for them to change into. It was amazing. I saw one housewife who had someone bringing her Diet Coke in a clear cup because the event was sponsored by Pepsi, so she couldn't be spotted with Coke, but she wouldn't drink the Pepsi. I saw a duo of non-housewives who were started at the end of the carpet because the front of the carpet was too crowded. And they were visibly not happy about it and complained about it off the carpet within earshot of the press, by the way, for like 10 minutes. Not smart. Lisa Vanderbump hung out in the press room for a long time after doing her interviews. Angie Kay had an impromptu photo shoot with Phaedra Parks as they crossed paths. And I saw Melissa Gorga in a long conversation with my friend Danny Pellegrino away from the cameras. While the press line can obviously be exhausting, especially when someone's being asked the same questions over and over and over again, it's really telling, honestly, who makes it to the very end of the carpet. So while some people get pulled mid-carpet because, you know, they have another panel to get to or they have a press commitment or they have a sponsorship commitment, like, for example, Lisa Barlow, who had to be pulled mid-carpet to go fulfill part of her Wendy's sponsorship by going down one of those escalators while holding a Frosty, some of them just leave early because they're over it, which, fair, but also this is part of their job to do media and press and interviews, so I don't really have much sympathy for that, like, If Andy Cohen can make it to the end of the carpet by talking to literally every single outlet there, then everybody else should be able to do so. Some others who I saw who did so were Erica Jane, Marlo Hampton, Karen Huger, Heather and Terry Dubrow, who were literally doing their final interviews, you guys, as the rest of the carpet was physically being shut down. The carpet was so packed and constant that it was basically like just like an embarrassment of riches at some points, like on Saturday within the span of, I think, like 10 minutes. Sheena and Brock surprised me with a signed copy of her Good as Gold vinyl, which you can see on my Instagram. Ariana and Katie stopped for a quick selfie, and then Lindsay came through dressed like Britney Spears in her Oops, I Did It Again music video. While spending time in the press room is obviously rewarding and worth it, it also does mean that you have to miss out on some of the panels if you're media. So I didn't get to see Miami or Potomac or Vanderpump Rules, but I did get to both Ask Andy events, Summer House, Southern Charm, Beverly Hills, The Roni OGs, another separate OGs panel, Dubai, and Jersey Part 2, which was with the Teresa's out of the cast. It was the last panel of the weekend. Some of them were fairly tame until they got to the fan question, which are asked during the last 10 or 15 minutes of every panel. While there seems to be a producer there screening questions, honestly, it's very clear that the fans just act however they want once they get to the mic. 
So on each of the panels I went to, it was it was really a fan question that really activated the drama. So on Southern Charm, Austin finally broke open about the Taylor and Olivia stuff, and he was really trying to hold himself back, but he couldn't help it. On Beverly Hills, Kyle had to answer for Teddy Mellencamp. On Dubai, Lisa and Ayan got into it during the last question, which was asked by Sergio, Caroline Stanberry's husband. And on Jersey Part 2, things really fell apart when a fan literally asked Jennifer Aiden what it was like being so far up Teresa's ass. That was verbatim the question. Jennifer and Teresa got out of their seats to yell at the fan who ended up flipping them off from the audience. It honestly got kind of ugly and crossed a line, I think, on both sides. You can watch that on my TikTok, but it wasn't a great moment, honestly. Um, It kind of speaks to how dark things have gotten on Jersey. But I promise it wasn't, it really wasn't all shady from the fans. And a lot of people really asked like some really great informed questions, including for me, what what was a true highlight of the weekend was when during the Roni OG panel, a woman named Ruth, who was 84 years old, walked up to the fan mic and asked them how they age so gracefully. It was such an amazing, sweet moment. The crowd went wild. The women on stage loved it. Um, she had a great response when Dorinda said that they should join her, that she should join them on their next trip. She was like, I have an Amex and I'm well-traveled. <laughs> it was amazing. And Bravo was really smart. They they got Ruth. They brought her to the press room after the fact. And they had Andy Cohen surprise her on video on the red carpet. It was honestly such a sweet moment. And I know we all love the shade and, and getting the real tea. But to me, a moment like that is really what an event like BravoCon is all about. It's about these really meaningful interactions and people telling these people that we watch on TV how impactful they are for us. So I loved that moment. And that was definitely something that I kept thinking about as the weekend went on. Well, the panel started around 10 a.m. and wrapped around like 5. At night, there were Watch Happens live tapings, which they were calling BravoCon Live with Andy Cohen. Friday night was the Bravos, which was the first annual Bravo award show, which a ton of Bravo celebrities were dressed to the nines in the first few rows of. Honestly, it was really fun and well done, and it was exciting to be in that room, particularly for Andy's opening musical number, and to observe what went down during the extended commercial breaks. Like, the announcer was pretty strict with us about not having our phones out during the taping to not uh, interfere with the cameras, but naturally, Angie Kay had hers out a lot of the time including a detachable ring light on her phone, taking selfies with, with fellow Bravo Lebs. Um, they had to tell them to stop going to the bathroom also during commercial breaks because they were taking too long to come back. So like Andy would be ready to start the next segment and Julia Lemgova from Miami would be like running back to her seat behind him. Sonia Morgan also put her physical comedy to major use. Every time Andy Cohen called attention to the fact that Captain Jason was single and ready to mingle, which to be fair was a lot of times, like that was a huge through line of the entire weekend. Sonia would like get out of her seat every time and point to him and like make eyes at him making sure that he knew that she was also single and ready to mingle uh there were also squash that beefs at every taping but the bravos had only one it was amanda from summer house and then giselle and robin from potomac who had outed her as having gone to the bathroom without her shoes on at last year's BravoCon. and honestly in an amazing move by amanda she walked up onto the stage without her shoes on and i have to say she totally held her own against the green-eyed bandits like they are not, they would not be easy to go up against. And Amanda's not a housewife. She's on Summer House. And like, I thought that she completely held her own. The word on the street was that there actually was a second squash that beef planned between two non housewives. But one of them left the show early when she heard about the plan because she didn't want to do it. That's just what I've heard. I'm not going to say names because that's un- that's very much unconfirmed. Um, but that was what I heard uh, several times uh, after Friday night. On Saturday night, I went to the first taping, which was the Southern Charm Summer House Ben Pump Rules mashup show, which aired on Thursday. Uh, the vibes were honestly much more electric at this one because instead of it just being like all the talent and the handlers and the press, 
It was a bunch of fans who paid to be there. So they were lit up, they were excited, and people were literally like dancing and singing along to the Watch What Happens theme song, which when you're in a room like this, surrounded by Bravo fans, when they're doing something like that, like Andy Cohen's got the 411, and like they're all like out of their seats dancing, that's when you know, like you are around your fucking people. And it just, there's nothing that makes me happier than a moment like that. But yeah, it was a great taping and there was some interesting Lindsay Carl stuff. And um, there was a squash that beef between Lindsay and Sheena over whether or not Lindsay called the paparazzi on herself. And that was pretty good. Sunday night's BravoCon Live was the final of the weekend, and it was the reading room, which is where Erica Jane got in trouble last year for saying that Dorit and PK's marriage was in trouble. Um, the lineup was epic this year, too. It was Kenya, it was Erica, Candice, Karen, Margaret, Larsa, Reza, Dr. Heavenly, Quad, Tamara, Phaedra. There was 19 of them, I think. And there was only two that I was like kind of tra- scratching my head about why they were included in this group. Dolores and Alexia, who I love, but I don't really consider them to be like readers in the shady sense of the word. So that they were interesting inclusions there. Um, also, you know, Tamara was involved in all three of the Squash That Beefs on that episode, which it really reminds you that she has this kind of like extra prominent platform to start drama with with different people on Bravo via two T's in a pod. And obviously she has built that on her own with Tam- with Teddy. Like it's not Bravo hasn't built that for her, but it's it's one of those things where it feels like kind of like an untenable situation where like how much is too much power in that? Like how much is too much access for them as somebody who's currently on a show and somebody who used to be on a show, but is still kind of in the orbit. And um, it's just an interesting situation, I think. Um, and I'm, I have my eye on it because I, again, it feels like it's unsustainable that, that kind of um, interesting gray area of, of a relationship. Especially when you think about all the stuff involving Teddy this weekend, like she was brought on to do the thing with Vicky. They hosted a two D's in a pod launch party for BravoCon. Like, she was doing all these interviews. I know it's just, it's a very interesting situation. And Rachel and I talked a little bit about it uh, later in the episode. On Saturday night, I headed to the hotel where the cast members were all staying to go out with Lindsay. We went to Hakkasan with Gabby and her sister and a few friends where Paige DeSorbo had a couple of tables for her birthday. Um, Paige and Craig left right as we were getting there. So I didn't, I didn't even get to say hi, but she had a super early call time apparently for the morning show. She was hosting all weekend with Amanda for Bravo's TikTok. But Sheena and Brock were there. So it was Austin. Standable, I saw sitting in a corner. Brian Benny and Sam and Corey from Winterhouse all showed up, as did some of the Southern Hospitality crew. It was honestly such a fun night. I didn't see any drama. It was just a lot of people letting off some steam in the middle of a packed weekend. And it honestly just hammered home like how much of a shared experience all these people have and how exciting it is for them to all be in the same place at the same time while really feeling celebrated. Like they're all on a high this whole weekend. And um, you know, they're being treated like movie stars, which they should be. And it was just fun to be around that energy. Um, you know, and, and they're really not all in the same place very often. And uh, even if they don't know each other super well, or haven't hung out that much, like they all kind of have this shared language, shared experience that bonds them. And it's and it's fun to watch. I, I also spent a lot of the weekend with some of my favorite fellow journalists and creators who I want to shout out just for making the weekend so much fun. Jared Alexander, Dylan Hafer, Abby Bonadies, Sarah Heeran, Isabel Greenberg and Emma Diamond, Evan Real and Danny Murphy, Chelsea Stark-Jones, Sarah Galli, Frank Costa, Jenny Armstrong, Maggie Kelly, Jack Gilchrist, Abby and Vanessa, and a bunch more. I could go on forever, but these are some of the people who I spent a lot of the time with this a lot of time with this weekend, and they really just make being part of this Bravo creator world so much fun. It it really is a community, and you know, getting able to spend some time and to gossip and to do some of this stuff together was honestly just incredibly, incredibly special. But that's about all. Uh, here's my interview with the incredible Rachel Lindsay. 
who I chatted with a bit on the press line between her panels, but it was fun to really go deep and look back at BravoCon with her, comparing notes on our experiences, hearing about her experience being a three-time moderator this weekend, and just sharing our big takeaways. And if you liked this in-depth recap, let me know. This is kind of my first time doing some of this solo stuff, but let me know, truly. Like, DM me, give us a review, give us a five-star rating, post us on your story. This show is as I said, it's a work in progress and I want to make sure that I'm doing stuff that you guys like to hear and like to engage with. So definitely slide into my DMs and, and give me some feedback on that. But anyway, here is my conversation with the amazing Rachel Lindsay. I want to gab. All right. So today we are gabbing with Rachel Lindsay, who you may originally know from when she was the Bachelorette, but now she hosts a fantastic podcast about Bravo called Morally Corrupt which releases multiple episodes a week in the Ringer Reality TV podcast feed. Rachel is one of the best interviewers out there and moderated three different panels at BravoCon this past weekend, a one-on-one Ask Andy with Andy Cohen, a highly talked about Real House as a Potomac panel, and one with a bunch of OGs like Kyle and Vicky and Teresa. Rachel's here today to look back at the three-day event, analyze some of the goings-on, share some takeaways. Thanks for being here, Rachel. We both talked about before we started recording that we are both kind of still nursing BravoCon hangovers. How are you? I am so good. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. And if they can't tell before, you can tell from my voice that, yes, we are still recovering from what was a beautiful blur of yes. BravoCon. And I have to tell you this too, going into BravoCon, I wasn't as excited for some reason. I was like, oh, it's Vegas. How is this going to be? The logistics of it all. And as soon as I stepped my two feet into BravoCon, it was like the spirit took over. The and spirit. I was ready. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I, I'm with you. I, I There was a big question mark for me in terms of like, right? is it going to feel too big? Is it going to feel too Vegas? Is it going to miss some of that New York energy? But like, it just, it felt seamless. It was like simultaneously calm, but also so exciting. And it, it was yes. a very well-planned event, I would say right off the bat. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I compared to Javits last year. Oh my God. Yes. 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 I think it was better. Then New York, dare I say, there are rumors it won't be in Vegas next year, but time will tell. Uh, my guess is that my guess is LA. My guess is they make their way west even more. That's that's my that would be uh, nice. Yes, totally. <laughs> okay, so first of all, and I say this as somebody who has moderated at past BravoCons, your panels that I went to were the best moderated panels I've ever been to at any BravoCon. And I and I talked to I've talked to other people who said the same thing that you just are so good at it, especially that I, I love your Ask Andy. I thought it was. Because I had gone to the one the day before, which had a very different yes. vibe with Jeff Lewis. <laughs> how, how do you feel coming out of, I mean, three panels is a lot to, to juggle in a weekend like that. It is. Thank you so much for saying yeah. that because, you know, you're your own worst critic and you just don't know. And I, I just, I'm a fan too. So I want to do a good job for everyone. Uh, it's three panels to answer your question is a lot because I'm trying to participate in BravoCon and work BravoCon at the yeah. same time. So it was, as you can tell from my voice, but it was so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. I was probably most nervous about Potomac because if you attended the panel, you can tell that there's a lot of tension with the women. And so I just didn't want to say the wrong thing or ask the wrong question where it would just unravel into something bigger than that. And then I would lose control, which is a moderator's worst fear. Right. What was the prep like for that? Because the 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 uh, kind of vibe I got from most of the panels was that like it was the the instruction was sort of like stick to the stick to these questions, like 
especially because the chaos will come for the fan questions anyway. But I feel like with Potomac, like what you're saying, if there's this inherent kind of like heightened tension already with the cast, it's like a de facto reunion of sorts, even though we're early in the season, but you, but you can't ask about certain topics that may be contributing right. to that tension. I, the most prep that I received from the producers was for Potomac. Yeah. Um, you know, you have your meetings before, you get your questions, you ask, can I go here? Can I go there? And the beautiful thing is there's a Q&A at the end of everything. So they're like, if you don't ask, the audience will. Such a smart audience, I have to say. They ask such good questions. So, you know, you try to keep it light and keep it moving, conversational. For Potomac, there were certain topics I could not talk about. Like there were certain husbands' names I couldn't mention mm. or ex-husbands. There's a lawsuit going on. So it was like that. those were certain things that I couldn't touch. But the cast wasn't aware of that. So it was like if there was a marriage question where I was like, oh, and we all bring it back. Right, right, totally. About, right. With Potomac, the reason I was nervous is because I knew that I wouldn't be able to ask my question and keep moving. There was going to be a lot of shade. Re- there were going to be reads. There was going to be a back and forth. And it did like for a second, I thought this is going to go off the rails, but it, yeah. But other than that, the prep is they want you to stay in a certain box. With Potomac, do you sense that the divide is really deep seated and will go like the Jersey route? Or do you sense that, because I've always said about Potomac is that they can have their issues, but always come back from them. But I feel like as we've gone on, it's gotten a little bit more intense in that capacity. What's your sense like just kind of being, having that front row? I do not see a resolution with the Mm. ladies of Potomac. And it's a really good question because I do see it going the Jersey route, which I think as fans of of Jersey as well, you're like, as an audience member, we can't keep having these same arguments. Right. Somebody's got to go. You either have to have a resolution or you have to go. Somebody has to, if not both. And I'm afraid, I'm really afraid because... Potomac has had such a long-standing cast. The OGs that have been there from the beginning are still there. There's four of them. Wild. I think there's four. Yeah, there's yeah. four. And, I, and they do, they always seem to your point, if they argue, they come back to each other. What they're arguing about is so real that I just don't think that they're going to be able to, to come back from this, sadly. Uh, and I don't so know sad. who would go because everybody is such a key part to making this season work or this franchise work mm-hmm. totally no it's it's disappointing because because I, I i want them all to be there and i love all of them um yeah. but i i don't want it to get to the jersey point where we have to have two panels and even then there's still like really shady fan moments that happen i'm going off yeah. that what what is your obviously we said that the fans are the ones who can really ask the get the tea for us because they ask those questions and there's it seems like there's somebody at the mic that sort of like asks you what your question is before you ask it, but like you can still go up to that mic and ask whatever you want. Anything. What, anything. What is your mentality around the, that specific fan interaction that people have when they're at the mic with the cast on a panel? Because sometimes it's super respectful. Like you said, they're asking smart questions. They're asking the good questions. But the we we ended the weekend on this like really kind of ugly note with a fan who asked Teresa and Jennifer a question and it got it went really off the rails. I don't know if you've seen that, but like did not see this. So it's the part two Jersey panel, the last panel of the entire weekend. I was sitting there and this this woman in head to toe sent it to Daryl on <laughs> merch gets up there <laughs> and she basically asked, she goes to Jennifer Aiden, what's it like being so far up Teresa's ass? Oh. And she she said that's exactly what she said. And then Jennifer gets up starts yelling the the fan walks away and jennifer goes come back here big boy first of all 
it's a it was a woman and second of all like there was some body shaming aspects to that then she hands it off to Teresa, who gets up and they start yelling back and forth with one another and the the audience members flipping them off it was a whole thing but basically i'm circling back around to like the fact that like i wanted to know your opinion on that because i think it gets into like the booing of it all and because BravoCon is this up close and personal experience that's why we come to it to have these interactions but they can cross a line so what's your what's your mentality around all that I'm still recovering from the big boy comment. I know. Um, I'll send you a link to the video after. Jeez. I mean, I hope that it doesn't get to the point where they really monitor the questions that people ask because it is so exciting. It does go off the rails. The audience loves it. It's that that exclusive experience that you get, that intimate experience that really makes BravoCon what it is. There was, I was at the Beverly Hills panel. So did I, yeah. And there was a guy who went to the microphone and said, Kyle, when are you going to stop making Teddy happen? He called her fetch. He goes, stop forcing her on us. And I, Kyle's response was amazing. By I way. agree. I agree. She was quick with it. But I, I mean, the audience roared. And I was She's like, answered that question it, before. <laughs> that was a moment that even though it was such a rude question, it just gets the audience riled up. And it's what some people may have been thinking. I will say for Potomac, they told me that they were going to monitor the questions. I don't know if you noticed, but instead of there being two microphones, there was just one. Oh. Monitored in ways that, because they were, they didn't want things to go off the rails. Yet there was a question. And maybe to your point, she told the producer one thing and it got up to the mic and said something different, but she specifically said, whose marriage do you think, do you see signs in that, that are going to fail? And maybe did you see those same things with Mia and Gordon? And that opened up the door. And that's when I was like, we're not going to talk about people's marriages. I was like, I'm sorry, we got to move on from this. Totally. <laughs> well, the, the same the same thing happened at Southern Charm because it was like they they weren't really talking that much about the Taylor, Austin, Olivia stuff too much because they were saving it for the reunion, it seemed. But then a yeah. fan's question opened it up and Austin couldn't help himself and him and Taylor yeah. got a little bit into it. You need a little bit of that, though. I, I understand not I understand not doing the full thing on, on the panel because, that you know, you want to save it for a good reunion special. I will say that I thought the panels were a little bit more tamed yeah. this year than last year. Last year, they were going back and forth with each other. They were giving all this exclusive information. And I was just like a kid in a candy store. So it seems like they tried to rein the Bravo celebrities in. And I think that makes it a little bit more boring. So I appreciated the fan questions because they were stirring the pot. I was asking such light questions, I felt like, because they want to save it for the reunion or save it for the premiere. And yes, you got that with Southern Charm. You really got that with Summer House. Yes. I don't know if you saw. It was such a boring panel. Yeah. They couldn't talk about Lindsay and Carl. Yeah, and and also they got it out of the way at the very top when it was sort of like why mm-hmm. I don't even I don't even think they should start off with that. I think they should butter, butter everybody up a little bit and then get into that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was that was a an awkward not an awkward panel. It just it never really jumped, you know, like it. It yeah yeah. It was and my I don't first think panel, that was their fault. Probably. Yeah yeah, that was that was a t- <laughs> yeah my and so my first one was the Jeff Lewis ask Andy on the first day Ooh-hoo. and. You know, he if, for people who have not seen that or, or heard about that, he basically like went off on Crystal Kong Minkoff, said she shouldn't be on the show. He said a comment about Kyle. Then it kicked off this whole feud with him and Crystal that weekend. What was your reaction to that whole situation? Because it, it kind of felt to me like 
just classic Jeff Lewis, but I don't know. Yes. And I think at this point, if you're coming to BravoCon, you are familiar with Jeff Lewis. That is his brand. That's his persona. He came to perform, not to truly ask Andy questions. I'm, I didn't watch it, but I'm sure at the end of it, he was probably like, and make sure you tune in every day for it's on serious right, You know, as a moderator, they gave you questions. I heard that they were like, here are your note cards. And he was like, I don't need those. I have my own questions. Stop. And Jeff Lewis can get away with that. Right. We, I could not. I, I'm trying to be asked back. Right. <laughs> I thought the crystal thing was low. I thought so too. There's a line of funny and just outright use crystal's word bitchy, you know? And so I just felt like you're funny, Jeff. You don't need to do that. That just wasn't a moment. It's not a moment to pick on them because as crystal said, what Jeff does and even does this with Kyle, he'll say something rude and then he'll text them and be like, Hey, sorry about that. Like everybody's just supposed to let it roll off their back. And it's like, no, you rile an audience up to like spew hate and dislike toward me. And that's not okay. And he's got to learn the line between the two, but people were upset at Crystal's comments too. They were upset. And I personally, as a gay man, I didn't find her call. She called him a cocksucker. (laughs) She used her Mm -hmm. word again. And called him bitchy. And I personally didn't think it was like homophobic. I thought she was using it in the way of like, he's just an asshole. Like he's just like a, like, like I know the word implies certain things, but I feel like she was using it in different, in different way. What did, did you think that what she said was problematic? I, so I, because I'm not in the queer community, I'm like, I feel like I don't have a dog in the fight. So if you're offended by it, I'm like, then we're offended. Right, <laughs> right. You're not, you're not. I've actually yeah. heard it split though. A lot of people told me that they weren't offended by it, but equally, it got a lot of media attention where there were people. Who- yeah. And, and Jeff said he, I think Jeff said he wasn't offended by it. So if he's not, then it's sort of like maybe we move on from that. So, go, Rachel, going into the weekend, I feel like yeah. my biggest question was, you know, obviously how much the Vanity Fair, the Bethany Reality Reckoning, the Ramona firing, how much any of that was going to overshadow what was going on, which is supposed to be like a really fun, engaging, like fan-driven weekend. Personally, like from my experience, I didn't think that it felt like a huge elephant in the room. I felt like it didn't feel like it was overshadowing a lot of it. Like people were asked about Ramona, they either said no comment or sort of brushed it off. I feel like the one time it was mostly an elephant in the room was during the OG Roni panel when it was sort of when she was supposed to be there and she was in the trailer for the show. Did you feel like it overshadowed any portions of the weekend? No, I, I knew it would come up when I was talking to Andy. Yeah. Because I think people think Andy is all powerful and he makes all the decisions, but we know. Yeah influential but doesn't make all the decisions so there was a Ramona question that came up and I felt like he handled it well and I think that this was really great on Bravo's behalf if Ramona had been there it really would have overshadowed BravoCon but because they made that quick decision she's uninvited then it's like you there was really nowhere to go and even Andy said it they Bravo made a decision she's not here I think that speaks for itself now there was a rumor Okay, that she was in town. I don't know if you heard this. Did you hear this? No, but I, I know that Avery was at BravoCon. Avery was there. She, I, I kept joking. I was like, Ramona said, you will man that booth. Right. And you will, <laughs> you will work. And I think that she stayed at Ramona's, what would have been Ramona's hotel room. But what, I oh, don't, sure. was Ramona there? Do you, did, was there any I evidence was, of that? I was told that she was supposed to be a guest at Heather McDonald's show. 
Oh, on Saturday night. Uh, uh, exclusive information. I was told that. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go to Heather's show if that's the case. Like, I can't be caught supporting Ramona, but right. she didn't show up. But mm. the room was, and I don't know if she chickened out. I don't know if she, maybe she was her guest before it all came out. Um, but yeah. That was the plan. Yeah. So to answer your question, I didn't feel like it overshadowed that much because honestly, I didn't think the article was that big of a bombshell. I agree. We've been told that this article was coming and we knew it was going to drop the week of BravoCon. And then when it came, I'm like, don't we already know this? The same people talking. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I thought, I thought Andy put it well. It felt like a rehash of old stories or retelling of old stories. And yeah, you know, I, I, I in, in on one hand, I'm like, okay, it resulted in Ramona facing consequences for her actions finally. But on the other, it felt like we, it was mostly information that we had heard before. So, right. And it's, and I also think that it's sort of like Bethany's aim, it seems, is to take down the whole thing. And like everybody who's at BravoCon is probably inherently going to be on the other side of that equation of like yeah. not, of wanting to protect what's going on. And so I'm, I, I'm glad we didn't feel that too much, honestly. I really, I, I really do. And I was instructed to not do, like, I had the day one Divas panel. So I was instructed to like not ask questions that, would Down give, that route. Yeah, yeah. That would make someone say, mention Ramona. Right. So they really tried to steer away from it. So I want to talk about a, another person who potentially could have been a guest, Teddy. She was kind mm-hmm. of like a common denominator almost every single day of BravoCon, to be honest. Her and Tamara threw that two teas in the pod party the night before on Thursday night. A bunch of, housewives were, a, a bunch of housewives were in their hotel room, like hanging out with them <laughs> Thursday night. Teddy was interviewing a bunch of them throughout the weekend for the podcast. She called she called herself Teddy Walters. Kyle was you said Kyle was asked that question by a fan. And then she and then there was the Vicky Teddy squash that beef situation on Watch What Happens Live. She's such a divisive, polarizing figure yeah. in, the, in the Bravo community. And for her to still kind of be there and sticking it out and like kind of taking some of that heat. In some ways, you kind of have to respect that she's just like is gonna keep trudging along, but were any of those things things that you really cared about or like were, were paying attention to or are you kind of like not on that on that boat teddy is interesting to me because it's and i didn't even realize she was a common denominator but you're right she was and she's interesting to me because on screen people when she was on the season they didn't like her because they felt she was born she didn't have a personality yeah then we see her on two t's and a pod and she's messy and just really goes there and is always like dropping tea or, you know, information she's heard. And she is so well liked by all the housewives. Mm -hmm. I mean, Vicky was the exception, but for the most part, they love her. They have her back. And so I think that she's a really interesting position in this Bravo world because she has the support of the housewives, not the fans. So she gets to keep being around. She really should thank Tamara and Kyle because Kyle you know, has her back, still invites her to stuff when they're filming. Tamara, people love Tamara, you know, like she's polarizing and now they have this super successful podcast. And so Teddy, it's like, we don't even need her back on the show. She's still such a point of conversation because she's always dropping mess. Right. And so we we have to talk about her. So she's genius in what she's yeah, doing. She knows. I it. agree. And she wants us to talk about it. I kind of think that it's Tamara who's pushing us, pushing her on us, not Kyle. You know what I mean? Like, because <laughs> no, Kyle brings her on for like a cameo once a season for like five minutes. And then, but it's, it's 
Tamra of it all. That's really, I think, and we saw, I mean, Tamra did like three squash, squash that beefs in a row in the, in the watch happens live taping that I went to. Tamra is like, it's just an interesting position. Cause you said the housewives love her. The fans don't really love her. I can't really tell what the network thinks about her. You know, it's kind of hard to pick up on how they really feel about her. But yeah. it's kind of it's the, they have very they have a lot of power as podcasters. They do. They do. Well, I think we know how the network feels about her because she's not a housewife again, and she wants True. to be. I don't care. I don't even know if she's been asked this question, but Teddy wants to be a housewife bad. <laughs> so she would chop cities to be a housewife. And I, I mean, I hear there's recasting for OC. So maybe and didn't she just rent out her house or something. Mm. Yeah. So maybe that, but that would be too much. What makes her pod great is one's in and one's out. Totally. We don't need so both true. of them. I think if they're both in, it actually becomes, it almost becomes like an advantage for them in a way that they're allowed to talk like it and also still be on the show, you know, and the mm-hmm. other women aren't really mm-hmm. allowed to. I've noticed something for, in both the panels that I went to of yours that you are a huge advocate for Vicky to come back. You, you're, you're a big, huge. you're, you're a Vicky girl. You want her to join the OC again full time. It just doesn't make any sense to me at this point why we don't have Vicky. Last year, I advocated for Vicky when I, I had her on a panel and the audience was chanting for her. My panel was at the same time as Beverly Hills and it's um, and which was wild last year. And I thought no one would come. People were coming because they were so excited to see Vicky on Watch What Happens Live when I was on there. That's when Andy was like, oh, she is going to be a friend of the audience goes wild for Vicky. This season alone, she was doing so much good work. Vicky is a quintessential housewife. She has all the ingredients that make them great. And she was giving it to us as a friend of, I just don't understand the decision behind, maybe one, you know, pause for a second, but I just don't understand the decision of not bringing her back. Right, right. Maybe she can be more of like a an Adriana in Miami friend of where you're essentially like like you're there for everything yeah to to stir up mess but you just maybe don't have like but the thing is ricky vicky does have compelling personal storylines too happening in her life so it's not like she doesn't like adriana i think it's more just because her life her personal life isn't that compelling or engaging right now but like vicky's is exactly i want and she gave us an update on her life on the panel and i'm like i want to know more about vicky and what and, and the thing that's beautiful about vicky too because she is the og she doesn't care about hurting your feelings. Yeah. And she doesn't do it in like a Jeff Lewis way. It's just kind of like, respect me. I'm, I've been here the longest. You just got here. I know, like, you know, there's a hierarchy here. And I love that she keeps that energy without even being on the show. And the Lifetime Achievement Award is not going to help. Oh, my God. <laughs> totally. She, you know, she she demands respect and they give and people give it to her. Yeah. And you have to you have to respect that. So what if we imagine for a second, OC next season with Vicky and Teddy on the cast? Wait, did How they, does that work? Are they cool now or no? Did they squash their beef? No, no, no. Oh my God. No, okay. no. Did, Teddy walked off the stage because Vicky went back to her seat and refused to engage <laughs> after she made that cancer comment. Yeah, no, they're they're not good. But I'm just like, if, if there's rumors about Teddy and Vicky coming, I don't know. It puts Tamara in a tough spot. I don't know. The whole thing is just... It does put Tamara, but that's what'll make it so good. Oh, oh my God. Amazing. That, that would break. I think that would break ratings records. Absolutely. <laughs> we got that. 
like I'm not a fan of Shannon Bedore, but I still want her on the show. I saw of her. Of course, yeah. I saw her in a bathroom, and I was like triggered because I was like, I do not like her at all as a housewife. She had, but and, I do want her on. Is, is tiny these days. Yeah, she is. Yeah. She was. Yeah, totally. Okay, so I mean that that actually segs into what I want to talk about next, which is just like any behind the scenes little moments that you've observed or experienced. Um, what what stands out in your mind? Because I'm sure there are a million uh, that we that both of us had. Okay, so the person that I really wanted to see in person was Jessel, and I did. And I was so oh. excited to see her. Bryn was next to her, and I didn't even like acknowledge Bryn and get to say hello because I was like, oh, it's Jessel. So that was fun because I was like, I didn't see everybody. There's so many people I didn't see, but I did see her. What was interesting was we found the holy grail, that's what we kept calling it, of Bravo celebrities behind the um, like all the stages, there was a room of tables. And honestly, anybody probably could have gotten back. Right. They that's where it was the holding spot for all the the Bravo people before they went on their stage. They would convene there, right? And when you walk in, it's like the cafeteria. Uh-huh. Everybody's at their table. Like you saw there's Southern Charm folks over here. There's Married to Medicine over here. And there was slight interaction, but there wasn't. And as I walk in, I'm obviously not a part of anybody's show. It's like, well, where do I sit? You're, you're holding your you're holding your lunch tray. Yeah. I was like, I'm so nervous. I feel like nobody wants me to sit with them. So I found a spot in the back of the room. In the very back where I wasn't talking to anybody. That was kind of cool because that's probably where I saw the most people was yeah, in totally. the cafeteria. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that I, I'm sure. When you were in that room, did you notice any like, like a cast member not sitting with their cast or any mixing that was interesting? Well, I will. T- no, not there. But I went to eat at the Four Seasons, like it's now I can say, which is where they had the housewives. Yeah. So that was also interesting. The housewives oh, yeah. got the Four Seasons and everybody else was at- The Delano, yeah. Yes, which was which was great. That's where I was too. It was very, yeah, very nice, nice hotel, but it was just interesting how they- Yep, I heard that too. There's a hierarchy in Bravo World. Um, But I went to eat after the second day. This was after the New York panel. And Sai was not sitting with the rest of the women and neither was Uba. So it hmm. was like Je- uh, Jessel, Aaron, Bren. Their husbands. Their husbands. But the other two, it was, oh my gosh. You know, it seems like they were all friends, but maybe they're not. And then I was like, we started talking and it's like, no, they've probably been around each other all day. Totally. And they're like, they're I want to be with I my guests. Yeah, they were with their guests. But at first it was interesting because it was like, oh my gosh, yeah. there really is tension in New York. But no, I think that they just wanted to break. Totally. I can't play. Totally. Oh my God. Yeah. I was in the press room for most of, for most of Friday, Saturday, just sort of, cause they just had people coming in just like it was like a conveyor belt yeah. of celebrities doing press lines and that is it's interesting seeing how certain people react in that realm because mm-hmm. some of them uh some of them get pulled off halfway down the press line because they have something to go to or they just don't want to be there anymore it's taking too long some of them get mad that they are starting at the other end of the press line so it's like broadcast on one end digital oh, really? digital and and print on yes yeah like i noticed two people who are really who are going off actually for like 10 minutes about it they're not housewives but two people on another bravo show it's just, you, you you notice things like that because it's, yeah. it's it's part of this whole game is how they're how they 
like what level of ego they have and how they, what kind of treatment they think they should be receiving, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They see how other people are are being treated. And so that's, that was where I was observing a lot of things. It's, it's, it's hard. And tell me if you agree or disagree. If I'm a Bravo celebrity at BravoCon, it's kind of hard not to have an ego. Oh my God. Yeah. The way we were walking out the talent entrance, that's where they had the cars come. And they were holding up the line because they said fans were jumping the fence on top of cars. It's the Beatles. It's happening here. But it is interesting too. And then you see clicks. Like I saw the video of Vanderpump people with Heather Gay and Bren and, you know, certain people. It really is high school. One of the things that I was most notable, you know, we know that Salt Lake City didn't have a panel Mm -hmm. because they are filming their reunion later this month. But everything that I was hearing was that it's everyone and Monica. Monica did press alone. Monica was seated differently at Watch Hap- at the Bravos, oh. Watch Her Happens Live. All signs point towards her being like an extreme outcast on this cast, which which is which is tough because it's hard for her to it would be hard for her to come back for another season if that if the reunion doesn't doesn't go well for her. Mm-hmm. But I'm like she's to me she's a star. To me she is a really great housewife, and yes. for her to be ostracized would be a, a big a, a shame because I think that she deserves. She's she's earned. I think she's already earned like an, a spot back. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I didn't know that about that she wasn't yeah. with the rest of the women, but and that makes me happy that we didn't get a panel of them because where we are right now, and I didn't see, I haven't seen the latest episode of Salt Lake City, but where we are right now, she and Heather seem to be close, right? And Heather does seem like a person who gets along with everyone, but we know from the trailers that something wild happens. Yeah, on a trip, and based on what you're saying, I'm like, okay, somehow Monica's in it. Somehow. I think so too. I think <laughs> which so makes too. me so that's excited. All, that's all. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'll say. But I think I think so too. Um, <laughs> oh, did you attend any of the BravoCon live tapings? I didn't. I was such okay. a pooper. I got so tired by the end of the day. That's what was wearing me out, being a fan and moderating. Right. By the right. time oh I had God. dinner, I was like, I can't function. I can't function yeah. anymore. So I hate that I miss them, but I'm going to try to catch what I can on Peacock. Are they all on Peacock? Yeah, you should. Yeah, okay. they're all on Peacock. Okay. It's, it's it, they're, they're heaven. The after shows are like 20 minutes long. It's very, it's very fun to watch. One of the, I went to the reading room one. It was the last taping of the whole weekend. And that was like all the, all the shadiest women. It was so, it was, it's just delicious. Dang it. I'll tee this up as, one of the kind of points was like Lisa Milan was on the end from Dubai. Somebody had said like, I don't know who that is, like yada, yada, yada. Oh. And then, or Sheree, I think. And then Lisa was asked a question and it's who, who's, who on the stage is most likely to have fake designer clothing? Stop. <laughs> she said, she says Sheree. <laughs> and then Sheree goes, this is a McQueen. And then right away, Lisa goes more like McSheen. <laughs> And the crowd went wild. She was, she earned her spot on that stage and actually had a commercial break. Kenya went up to her and like whispered something in her ear. She must have given, been giving her her flowers or something for that because it was a top notch. I love it. I I like Lisa and I did not meet, get to talk to any of the Dubai women. Um, I saw Ayan, but that's it. I would have loved to have seen Ayan. I'm actually disappointed I didn't get to see her. But I heard, I didn't go to the premiere of the episode. Did you? I no, heard, I, didn't. I didn't. I heard it's good. I heard there's drama with Lisa and Chanel, which we know they had such a good friendship. So, you know, I've been very vocal about they needed to change up this season 
and and do more. I want it to continue. I just not season, but franchise. Yeah. I want it to continue, but I thought it needed some changes. And it sounds like they made changes yeah. for the better. I hope so. I hope so. Cause also I I stopped into their panel for like the last 30 minutes and it was like very empty. But it, but they were competing with Southern mm-hmm. Charm, which had so many. It was Southern Charm was packed to the brim. So yeah. they were competing and it's a really popular show. But I hope it's great. I I love I love some of that cast. Atlanta was empty too. Did you go to Atlanta? Mm. I didn't go to Atlanta because it was one of the, it was a packed press day. So I couldn't really make it to a lot of panels that day. I heard. I I, I think, well, it's interesting because it's like Atlanta didn't had probably their worst season ever, you Mm -hmm. know, like they're, and I think interest is unfortunately at a low for them. And Drew wasn't there. She couldn't, she was conspicuously absent. I don't know what happened there. She was on, she was on the press email that I got last week. So I saw Ralph last night. (gasps) (laughs) It's such good timing. I saw Ralph. And I've, okay. I've been dying to talk to somebody. <laughs> oh my God, Spill. I was like, and the, the person with me was like, is that Ralph? And I go, oh my gosh, I got to get a picture for my Bravo girls. And then it was just too obvious. I was backstage at a Kirk Franklin concert. Well, it wasn't just Kirk Franklin, it was like a gospel concert. And he Iconic. was there. He looked like a lost puppy. I don't know if he was noticing, wanting somebody to notice him. He kept staring. And so I thought, oh, maybe he knows that I've like talked shit about mm. him before. And then, but I was like, oh my God, that's Ralph in the flesh. So anyways, that's just a little tidbit too. He wasn't oh, doing anything crazy, but he was there. But I'm like with Atlanta, they're in this weird spot where like we, there's all these whispers about a reshuffle and, yeah. and what are they going to do for next season? I think that it's, it makes the interest unfortunately low because I, I obviously love some of the Atlanta women or lo- most sure. of them. But yeah, that I, I heard that also about Atlanta, which is unfortunate. And, and Roni apparently was like, aligned to get in like so packed at the new roni they had it in the small on the smaller stage yeah i don't know what was going on on the the bigger stage but they ha- we walked in three minutes late and people were on the floors up against the walls they were having like the fire marshal move people were telling people get off the floor it's a fire hazard it was wow packed and i didn't even think it was so that great of a panel no i've heard it was i've heard it was fine they love Matt Rogers, but they're all right. like super friends. And so you could just tell they were just excited to be there. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think one of my, I want to, I want to end in last, these last five minutes, Rachel, is just to end with some big takeaways. And that is one of my takeaways, which is that the new, Ro- bo- both Ronies are extremely popular. We knew that the OGs were obviously going to be our, our fan favorites. People go crazy for them. Mm-hmm. But I was really heartened to see how popular Bryn and Uba and Aaron and yeah. Jessel and, and, probably to a lesser extent stop sigh but like the entire cast was people were going crazy over them yeah. and i and i i love to see that yeah there's i you know we talked about it a little bit on ask andy but i've just had i think everyone had low expectations coming in and we know jenna wasn't there and i didn't expect her to come but i was like i'm gonna watch it because i'm curious but i don't think that these women can even are even in the same realm as the OG. Right. And then they beautifully surprise us. And it was so interesting and they're quirky in their own ways. And they all have individual storylines, which we see lacking in franchises, which is what makes them flop. So I'm, I'm like very captivated by these women and I want more. Yeah. And you don't always say that. So yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Bryn had the moment of the weekend with her high heels getting stuck in the escalator. So, I mean, come I... on, that, that's, it, that, it was instantly iconic. <laughs> it was it's like the problem of in overtime. Yes, a hundred percent. And, and do you see what Jenna, Jenna was at uh, the CFDA awards the other night or oh, something. And she, do you see what she said about no. she, somebody was like, we weren't at BravoCon. She was like, oh, I had, I had important things to do. 
And the woman goes like, like what? And she goes twiddling my thumb. She's not coming back. She's not coming back. There's no way. She's not. She did it. it. Which, which is which is disappointing, but she did it for to put her name back out there. Yeah, she put her name back out there. She's probably curious, something she'd never done before. And yeah, you got that from the reunion. There's no more right. twiddling her totally. thumbs. The shame. Yeah, yeah. What what what's another big takeaway that you had from from BravoCon? Well, I'll say this: the husbands were having the time of their life, and yes. we were podcasting. And all of a sudden, you could tell if you're in the Bravo Bazaar, the stars, we're all, and for those who don't know, that's where all these installations are, like the, the Sir back alley, the Sprinter van on. So like City, which I just think is incredible. And then everyone has their booths where they're selling something. So you know that a Bravo celebrity is coming through because you hear the screams or you see this tale of people traveling. And so we're podcasting and I see this small tale of people gathering and I go, oh my God, Jody Walker is on our podcast is a huge Povet fan and he's walking with Abe the babe and there are all these women and you can just Not tell Abe the babe. they're eating it up and I think of that's course. what's so fun to see are that the husbands are like having the time of their life just with like you don't walk through the Bravo Bazaar unless you want. If you to don't be want the seen. selfies, and totally. They, yeah, you want to be taking selfies. There's a whole backstage you can avoid. Oh my god, I thing. love it! And oh, so totally. Pavit and Abe, we're taking pictures, smiling, having Good engaging with the fans. So that was really cute to see, like the husbands yeah, doing yeah. Their thing. I think one thing that from the Potomac panel, one which was packed, it was mm-hmm. so bit, it was so crowded yeah. in there, and I think that to me, and and there were two Giselle and Robin were on your OG panel, and yes. I thought that. You know, they've been established, they've been there, but there was something about this year to me of seeing they are just completely on the same level as any of the other more longer running franchises to me. Like they are there, they are extremely popular, they are some of the biggest stars there. And I just, something about that really struck me this past weekend. And I loved to see it. Like I thought that it was really cool to see that. About Potomac. Yeah. I agree with you on Potomac. I it's the franchise. I love them all, but I'm like they're consistent every single time. It's been eight seasons. It doesn't even feel like it's been eight seasons. No. They're just so good. But a big takeaway I have is Married to Medicine. I missed the panel, but Married to Medicine has been on for 10 years. And there was a fan in Ask Andy who was wearing a Jesus Jug shirt, who I did meet later, who is lovely, by the way. Lovely. But she was asking a question, basically holding Andy's feet to the fire of why isn't Married to Medicine put up at the, on the same level as some of these housewives? Ten seasons, you want to talk about consistently good? They do not miss. These women are doctors, you know, married to doctors, whatever it may be. And they just are so dynamic. And obviously mm-hmm. fans love them, but why aren't they treated? So it's my takeaway. Why aren't they treated like housewives? Why were they at the Delano and not at the Four Seasons? Why, you know, the, the, the person who asked the question said Cecil said he wasn't invited to one of the parties. It's like, why aren't, why are they treated like they don't kill it every single time? No, I totally agree. I binge married to medicine over the past two and a half years and I've obsessed with it. I think it's one of the best, strongest casts on Bravo, mm-hmm. but I think it's just the matter of the housewives label in some ways. I think that's what's, that's what, that's the moneymaker is that, is that, is that real housewives label that, that separates married to medicine from any of the other ones. Um, but in, in a, in a just world, they would have 
you know, Atlanta had a tough past season, but Mary to Medicine didn't. Mary to Medicine had a great last season. Yeah. And they have a, the, the whole cast was there. And it's, it's a really interesting point to make because I t- completely agree, you know, and it's. What if Atlanta becomes that? It could. It could be Real Housewives of Medicine. It could be, you know, the Atlanta version. It could truly, they could rename it Real Housewives, the Married to Medicine edition. And it would be fine. And let Atlanta take off and regroup. I mean, Phaedra is on there. Oh, yeah. You know, she and she's and she's and she's not dating a doctor anymore. They apparently already broke up. So, like, you know, like it's they're there and they and they deliver the drama. Like, there are two such, there are such good stories going into this season. So, um, I completely agree with that. I think my, my final takeaway, Rachel, is just that like there are two upcoming re- reunions that I think are going to be blockbusters. I think it's Salt Lake City and I think Southern Charm. I think those are Absolutely. both going to be like insane moments because you could tell on the Southern Charm panel when Austin was trying to hold himself back, but he couldn't, you know, he couldn't hold himself back. And he's like, there's so much I want to say. Like, I like there's so much I want to get off my chest, but they knew you was clear they were instructed not to go down that route because it's not the reunion and they're filming that probably soon. That to me is going to be a huge moment because there's a lot of he said, she said that's going on. And I think there's a lot behind the scenes that they have not divulged yet. Uh, I'm so, I know. I was so like, Austin can't help himself. And it's the Olivia, Austin, and Taylor. And only thing I'll know, because I know we need to go. It was yeah. Something Vanita said that lets you know. And I think we saw it on a, a trailer that they showed us, like a mid-season trailer. She's like, she's not your friend to Olivia. Yes. and. Benita said something on the panel where she said, you know, Taylor and I was our chance to get to know each other. But right now I'm here kind of like on this side, I'm standing with Olivia. So I was like, oh, because oh, I need Olivia to release herself from Taylor. So I can't. I totally wait. agree. Oh, we're in such a yeah. good Bravo time. We're uh, no, it, this is no, it was so fun. I think Olivia is a huge star, by the way. I think Olivia like has what it takes to be a great of a great reality star. I've changed my tune on her. I didn't okay, feel good. I didn't feel okay. that when she was dating Austin. I felt like she was trying too hard to be on the show. And then there was the rumor that her parents like paid for her to be on the show. I don't know if you heard that. But, oh, right. Yeah. I think I've seen her whisper about that. Mm-hmm. I also think that honestly, I think that Catherine being around last season kind of held her back. I think that she gets some sort of, she's been like opened up. And I think that it's, it's, it's only good things. Well, Rachel, this has been so much fun. So I, much fun. I'm, thank you for, for, for uh, holding up with the voice. I know it's been, <laughs> it's it's been tough for you, um, but uh, we both need to get some sleep. I think after, just still after this BravoCon, it was such a fun weekend i had such a fun time breaking it down with you yes. Pl- plug more morally corrupt or anything else you want to plug before we uh, sign off yeah well first off thank you so much for having me please let me come back anytime to talk about anything bravo i would love, love to um and you're so happy to i was so happy to meet you in person yeah well. we got some time together yeah. yes you guys can check out if you want more bravo news because i've talked about this all day morally corrupt um, episodes drop every single Friday. Uh, I also have another podcast, Higher Learning. Episodes drop every Tuesday and Friday. If you want a little housewife break and step into some current affairs, that's what we cover over there. That's that's pretty much it. Buy my books. Yes. Rachel Lindsay, one of the best in the biz. Thank you so much for being here. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on any podcast platform to listen to new episodes and subscribe to Gabbing with Gabe on YouTube to watch full-length versions of our interviews. We'd also love your support with a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can follow me at Gibsonoma on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok and keep up with all things Gabbing with Gabe at Gabbing with Gabe on Instagram and TikTok. 
Gabbing with Gibb is an independent podcast hosted by me, Gibson Johns. It's produced by myself and Riley Dabbs. Graphics are by Rachel Roth, and our cover art photography is by Troy Hallahan. If you want to reach out about guest booking, sponsorship, or advertising opportunities, email us at gabbingwithgib at gmail.com. Thank you again for your support, and see you next time.